Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. So I am about a week into this 14 days of magic challenge with Magic Mind. If you are listening to this for the first time, I'm participating in a 14-day challenge with Magic Mind, which is a supplement to help boost productivity. And these next 14 days is focusing on becoming the best self that I can be. And I have three major goals. One, read every single day. Two, create every single day. And three, improve my skills so I can help people like you recover from sciatica pain. And I wanted to give you an update in regards to how I feel and what my experience is like. I'm a huge fan of it. It's a shot. I think it's a two-ounce shot. And it's really easy to ingest. It tastes fantastic as well. Most of the time, I'm trying out different supplements, and they often taste often chemically or artificial, and this one tastes super natural. Uh, I've also noticed a huge improvement in my productivity. I've noticed that I've been more focused and determined and less distracted because I often get distracted working on my own businesses and trying to focus on how can I help people more that all my distractions actually take me away from the task at hand. And so I'm really thankful for matching mine this far. And if you would like to boost your productivity and get involved with this 14 days of magic, then you can check out the link in the show notes and use the coupon code FIX14, all one word, to get 20% off. And now, let's get started. When it comes to the core and sciatica pain, oftentimes people will be told by their doctor to get their core stronger or they have to stabilize their core. And the terms stabilize, strengthen is a, a very broad term as well as the core itself. And today I actually have an expert on the core and she is, uh, I really look up to her, um, really knowledgeable when it comes to the core exercise and um, also postpartum work as well. And so on today's episode, I have Dr. Sarah Duvall, a uh, physical therapist who is an expert on this. So Sarah, Thank you so much for being on today's episode. How are you doing this morning? Uh, thanks for having me. That's a, it's a good morning. Uh, Excited to be here. All right. Fantastic. It's a fantastic morning. And so let's get right into it. Let's talk a little bit more about yourself um, and what your journey has been like to get you to the point of where you're at today. Well, I started out as a personal trainer. I actually started out volunteering in the hospital at the age of 12, figured out that I love helping people. And that is how I found the profession of physical therapy. It was so positive and everybody was there to get better. I just, I loved it. And then I became a personal trainer in college because I was a college athlete and loved to exercise. 
and then was a personal trainer through uh, PT school, which helped pay for PT school. Great application, maybe a little stressful for time constraints, but, but great way to earn money. And then I've just been blending the professions ever since. I love the profession of physical therapy, but I also love my personal training background. And I'm very grateful for the amount of exercise education I got through that prior to becoming a PT. I think uh, merging the two professions together and the concentrations is uh, actually particularly very important because I think when people look at the general physical therapy profession, they think, okay, they're going to rehab me from this injury. And then from there, like, where do I go next? And I think uh, it's a, it's a challenge because some cases where people get discharged from physical therapy and they want to get back into physical activity, that bridge between rehab and, and their exercise and wellness might be a little bit larger, um, or may seem a little bit larger. So for someone like yourself, uh, with that background is really key to, to bridging that gap. I love the fact that you said, you really enjoyed the positive aspects, the vibes from <laughs> like physical therapy and doing in the hospital. Um, I wish our path was a, a, a little, I, I wish our path was more similar, but I, I ended up stumbling across the physical therapy profession um, really because uh, all my athlete friends were getting hurt. And I just said, I kind of just wanted to help people. And it, this seems like a cool uh, profession, mm. but I really had no idea what it entailed uh, until I got into physical therapy school and then left and started working as a physical therapist. Uh, let's just say I was very lucky to have just spent seven, like the, the three years post-grad getting into a profession. I had no idea what I was getting myself. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, there was one patient that really stood out to me when I was 12 and volunteering in the hospital. And it was a spinal cord injury patient. He had been in an accident and was paralyzed. And we were helping him learn how to transfer in and out of his wheelchair, basically get his life back. And just seeing his courage at facing everything. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, we're changing lives. We're spending an hour with him. You know, it was an inpatient situation. So it was an hour, a couple times a day. And you really get to know your patients. You really get involved. And I was like, I love that. I don't want to spend 20 minutes trying to give somebody advice and get the whole picture when it's just not enough time. So that was what I think really drew me to that positivity of PT. It's a such a cool profession. So let's talk about what you're, what you're doing right now um, in regards to the the core postpartum work. Um, tell us a little bit more about how you got involved with that world. And then after that, we'll take a deep dive into what the core is. Well, I was a pure orthopedic PT, <laughs> and, you know, all the ortho, ortho injuries all the way. And then I had babies and I realized, whoa, there's another world out here. <laughs> and there is back then there was truly not hardly any information out on higher level a postpartum recovery from a physical therapy standpoint. And things have changed a lot during the last nine years, almost a decade uh, since I started down that road, but it was back then there was, there was truly almost nothing. And so it really led me to dive into the primary research. And my husband had lost his job a couple of times. He's in small biotech companies. And so we ended up moving around the U S for his work. And so every time we'd move to a new place, I had an in-person practice. Yeah. Your, your eyes are so big right now. Or you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. So I started an in-person practice and then I ended up having to sell it and we moved. And then I started another in-person practice and then that job lasted two years. And then 
so we moved again and I, I was like, I cannot do this. I am going to start an online business because I need to be able to move to a place and have something, have some sort of base. You, you work so hard to build up a reputation and get clientele. And it's a lot of work to build a business. And so I was like, I am going to start online. So when we moved that third time. I was determined to uh, start online. And I was like, you know what? There is a big gap. And for what I felt personally, um, and then taking my orthopedic background and I dove into a ton of primary research. I took a bunch of courses and started putting out information on postpartum recovery uh, because I just wanted to help fill that void to help women who were like me that were into high level exercise and weren't able to get the higher level help that they needed. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the Sciatica Protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. Now, having an on-demand physical therapist can cost thousands plus hours of sessions. But with the Sciatica Protocol, you'll receive the same, if not better, customized care completely free. And why are we making this program free? Because I believe that everyone deserves to live free from pain without actually having cost be the biggest obstacle. It is simple to start and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. Wow. So it was this, the, the challenge you went through really pushed you into this world and being able to see um, everything. And uh, you're absolutely right about like the, there's a huge gap in knowledge or a huge gap in information available for, for women postpartum being able to like, once you have your baby, it's like, okay, well, what's next? It's like you wait six weeks or you're told to wait six weeks and then you can get back into exercise. And then, um, oftentimes when I'm working with a lot of the postpartum, uh, women that I work with, um, one of the first things is like, okay, tell us like what that journey, tell me what your, that journey was like from giving birth to, to where you're at now. And did your doctor assess this, this, and this? And they oftentimes are like, no, they kind of just said, okay, six weeks, you're good to go. And luckily I have the knowledge base that I got from your course, the PCES course, um, which is the postpartum correct, uh, postpartum corrective exercise specialist. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more later. And, um, we were able to really, uh, take a deep dive and address some really big things that were missing. And I think a large part of it is that people think, okay, well, core strength, like if I'm thinking about core strength, I, I got to get, I got to do planks and I got to do um, all these things to make my core really strong. And I think it's like mostly the front abs, but the core itself is, is a complicated piece. There's multiple components. So can you tell us a little bit more about like in your definition, like what is the core and what is its role in, in like just normal bodily function? And we'll take a deep dive in the sciatica. So when we think about the core, we think about those abs, which they're absolutely part of it. And in my world, I'm also looking at abdominal balance. 
like how much someone's TAs are showing up compared to their rectus, compared to their external obliques, internal obliques. So we're looking at it, finding a balance of those abs because we do a lot with pressure management, uh, which I, I think we'll talk about in a little bit, which will be great. But when we look at that core system, we're looking at multifidi, we're looking at the diaphragm, we're looking at the pelvic floor muscles, because I like to think about it as that middle trunk canister and how well it's all working together. I also like to think about those intercostals too, which I know sound kind of interesting, but I feel like our intercostals play such a big role in stability and allowing our diaphragm to work well and allowing some of our abs, like our grippy abs to kind of let go a little bit, which then takes some pressure off. Um, so I think breathing is such a crucial part of our, of our core system. Oh, breathing is so important. I, uh, uh, and I tell this to my patients from age 13 to age 97, uh, you got to breathe. That's a, that's mm -hmm. a very important part. And so, um, I love the fact that you talked about this concept of like a trunk canister. And like, when I explain it to my clients and my patients, I say, consider, and I'm a big fan of, I love soda. I drink the diet versions. The reason being is that I'm a very clumsy person. If I spill a diet soda, uh, it's not going to be sticky and it's not going to attract ants because it's not real sugar. Um, but I limit my, uh, my soda intake. Um, so then I switch to seltzer water, but, um, I like this idea of creating a canister of pressure. Um, and so let's talk about, um, what this, let's talk about this pressure management. I think a lot of people think, when it comes to core strength, that they just have to create a lot of tension. And that was something that I used to believe. And I used to teach a lot of people. I was like, you got to create more pressure in your core, which then will actually allow you to feel better, allow you to lift. And you're going to be dealing with hemorrhoids and yes. hernias and prolapse and diastasis and hiatal hernias and more pressure is not better pressure. You're absolutely right about that. So when it comes to pressure management, I think a lot of people think, okay, um, all right. So if you're, if you're trying to create so much pressure in your body, you're so tightly wound up and you're trying to push through and it leads to these challenges, hemorrhoids, hernias, and such like that. Um, tell us a little bit more about, uh, pressure management in itself. I know it's a very, uh, you know, let's, let's take, let's go down deep into the mm -hmm. rabbit hole and help people understand what that is. Breathing has a huge component. It's going to be an interaction of all of these muscles, but yeah, let's talk a little bit more about it. What is pressure management? How can someone visualize what that is in their head if they're listening to this episode? So think about our bodies. If you were just going to be a skeleton flopping in the corner, right? Pressure allows us to stabilize our spine. It allows our muscles to coordinate. It creates stiffness through the trunk. Like we need stiffness. Uh, stiffness is not bad. Pressure is not bad. Pressure is good. It allows us to lift heavy things without collapsing over, helps us transfer energy, transfer a load. Does that kind of make sense for what we, we pressure is good. Um, it, it makes us strong, but if there's too much pressure directed out toward one particular spot of the body, then that's when pressure can become a, a problem uh, for that person. So if pressure is directed, say, down on the pelvic floor, that can become a problem for the pelvic floor. And we can talk a little bit about how that intertwines with sciatica um, as well. But pelvic organ prolapse is a common pressure issue for women. Um, leaking incontinence can be a common pressure issue because like a cough, a sneeze, something like that, that's pressure. You generate a ton of pressure to expel 
fluid from your lungs to be able to have a really good cough. And if you've ever had a cold, you know how tired your pelvic floor can get. And if you're a postpartum woman that's had a cold, then you know, okay, I can, I'm feeling, um, you know, my pelvic floor maybe feels heavy or, or tight. I'm feeling these symptoms. Or if you have, you know, piriformis tightness, you might feel an increased tightness in your, in all of your symptoms, your low back might start to bother you. Coughing is an extreme pressure, <laughs> could call it an extreme pressure sport that I feel like people should prepare a little bit more for, uh, so they can handle their next cold better. Uh, so, so, um, improper or improper pressure management, directing pressure all in one area or too much pressure for your strength level. I think I see both of those as being a potential problem. For sure. Um, I think what a lot of people think or um, just communicating with other uh, people, whether it be clients or professionals, I think the general consensus that people have or, or thought process is they think pressure management is just weakness in a specific area. And I think that is uh, one piece of the puzzle. And as you're talking about, hey, like putting too much pressure um, in, a, in, in a specific area. And, and, it's, and the, I guess the question is like, is, um, and you'll probably answer this question with another question, but is too much pressure in a specific area, is that caused by weakness or is that caused by something else? Yes. Yes. And so I find, yes, it can be caused by weakness because you've got one part of your system that's really strong. So it's like, I can do all the work. And then the other part that might help balance out the pressure just takes a little vacation, but then it can also just be your habit. You know, like you always put one shoe on before the other. Like it's always the same shoe. You hardly ever switch it up. So we have a, we have habitual movement patterns. So sometimes it's a matter of me just simply changing somebody's habitual movement pattern to clear up their pressure management issues. And then sometimes it's a matter of, okay, we were going to have to do a lot of strengthening here to help you balance this pressure. And, and sometimes it's a little of both. I'm so glad you brought up the concept of habits and behaviors, because <laughs> I actually see this a lot in, um, in people who have, uh, well, people who are dealing with sciatica, but I also see in people who deal with a lot of chronic knee pain. Um, people who deal with a lot of chronic knee pain, they've been focusing so much on trying to get that side. We'll say they're injured the right side. They're spending so much time trying to get that right leg strengthened because they're the, for throughout their entire journey, um, they were told you got to get the, the painful side stronger. And all of a sudden that side, that affected side is so strong. And then I, I look at how they squat or I look at how they walk. And it turns out that they are putting so much weight and so much pressure through that painful side because they were taught to get it stronger and they had this habit, this behavior ingrained. And so even a simple shift for them was to say, okay, shift on over to the other side, um, or let's put a little bit more pressure or emphasis on a different area of your body that that chronic pain goes away. Well, um, and let's throw one more throw one more loop into that. What if they just simply lacked hip internal rotation on that one side and it pushed them over into their knee? So the fault was never the knee, but maybe it was the, the left hip lacked hip internal rotation, which then caused the right knee pain. So then you fix the left hip internal rotation. All of a sudden their knee just gets a break. So I feel like so many things in the body get blank because someone else isn't pulling their weight. Correct. And to be able to just uh, look at the, the human body as a whole. I think it gets pretty challenging when we experience pains that we look at a specific body part and say like, this is the culprit. And then we kind of go through this 
we'll say rabbit hole of just saying like, okay, well, what is going on um, in this specific area? And we kind of put blinders on. And in a way, when you are a specialist in like a certain body part, it's helpful because there are probably some things that specialist people who look at one specific body part can see compared to the generalist, but it kind of puts some limitations on what you can assess and evaluate and to be able to look at the big picture and see how things interact um, is, is definitely really key. So yeah, I'm a physical yeah. therapist that isn't coming from a very heavy orthopedic background into the pelvic floor PT world. And I, I, I get to educate a lot of pelvic floor PTs that started out with just the pelvic floor. And so as we increase our orthopedic general knowledge, it's amazing how much it opens up to what all plays in together. So that yeah. same concept. I like to think about it as like we, uh, as, as PTs, as professionals, we, as we expand our knowledge base, we continue to add tools to our toolbox. And as we become more knowledgeable, we can figure out which tools we actually need to use to solve a specific problem. And that's one of the things that I really loved about your courses and the, what you present is being able to say, okay, here's this piece of knowledge, but this is how you can actually integrate it into all the other tools. And that was really something that's something that uh, truly aligned with. And so we have, we have the core, which is all these muscles. And then we have pressure management is how these muscles really interact with each other because the, the body is like the, the human body is like a whole functional unit. It's not just the sum. It's not just individual parts, individual muscles. So when it comes to someone who's dealing, uh, we'll say postpartum women who are dealing with sciatica pain and they're like, I've tried a, a whole bunch of things um, how does pressure management or how could pressure management serve or play a role in, in managing sciatic pain or looking at it? So let's, let's take a little rabbit hole. Cause you know, I like this and let's go on a, let's go on a fun kind of journey through like a particular scenario that might, you know, make for, I think an interesting story. So when you're postpartum, your abdominal wall gets stretched out, your upper external obliques do not get as stretched out and lengthened as all the middle support system, right? I mean, the baby's stretching out the middle. So you are going to have a tendency toward upper ab gripping as you're coming back postpartum. And so as you grip with your upper abs, that puts pressure down on your pelvic floor. So imagine you're bringing your rib cage down now and kind of gripping underneath. So if everybody listening to this, take your fingers, place them right underneath your rib cage and kind of push in right under the rib cage. Is it soft and squishy or do you feel tension being held there? So if you have static pain, if you have piriformis tightness, deep rotator tightness, because there's a lot of causes to static pain, but if not just the piriformis, <laughs> but if you have deep rotator tightness, I want you to check in with those upper abs because as you grip with those upper abs, it sends pressure down. Our pelvic floor has to contain the pressure. Our levator ani is our kind of primary pelvic floor muscle. The levator ani, part of that fascia, integrates into our obturator internus, which is a major deep hip rotator. All right. It sits there all happy and cozy along with the piriformis. And we're thinking these are major offenders when it comes to tension on that sciatic nerve, tension back in that deep hip rotator compartment. 
And so we're thinking, okay, I'm putting this pressure down by gripping with my upper abs. And then now I'm having to grip with my piriformis, with my obturator internus, with my pelvic floor to help contain that excessive pressure that I'm putting down. And then that's putting extra tension on my static nerve. So simply working with somebody on not upper ab gripping, rib mobility, getting better in a costals, uh, thoracic mobility. So being able to rotate through your mid back, being able to breathe well might completely change the amount of tension that the piriformis, the obturator and the primary pelvic floor needs to bring to the system as a whole, because they're decreasing the pressure they're putting down. Um, as you're explaining this to me, or as you're explaining this, I'm like visualizing. I often think when it comes to human body parts, I, I, it's like, I have one of those 3d apps of anatomy. Um, and so as you're going through, I'm playing through each individual body part or like the area. And you brought this concept of gripping, um, of gripping and these muscles are, are contracting, trying to hold on. And so as you were saying that the thing that I thought about was like, we'll say the pelvic floor muscles, if there's so much upper ab tension and the pressure is going down and the lower, the pelvic floor has to create the tension you're gripping to me, not to sound like an alarmist, but it's like, it seems like these muscles are kind of holding on for dear life, trying to support mm -hmm. everything that they can. And, um, I often tell people like people are experiencing tight muscles for a couple of different reasons. Tight muscles can feel sensationally tight because of the fact that they're stretched for a long period of time. Um, they're either contracted for a long period of time. And in some cases they're gripping, they're holding on for dear life. And we have like, when you have that gripping sensation, when these muscles are gripping, I think what a lot of people think or originally thought was the fact that, okay, if these muscles are gripping, I just need to get these muscles stronger so they can take on all of the load. Or I need to so, stretch them out. Or you need to stretch them out. Which yeah. I mean, how many problems is that? It can help with symptoms, but does it really fix your problem? You know? Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it really opens the world to the interventions that can be provided. I think a lot of people used to think, okay, this tight muscle, I need to stretch it out. And I often see this a lot in people who are very flexible people who are very flexible. They're like, Oh my oh, gosh, so all these gripping. muscles feel so tight. They feel so, so tight. much flexibility. The greater your range of motion, the more strength you have to have to support it. And women during this pregnancy and postpartum period have natural hypermobility. It's, it's to help get the baby out. It's a good thing, but it also makes all the underlying weaknesses come to light. So if you have that tendency or propensatory to tensing through those deep hip rotators, holding tension in your piriformis at pregnancy and postpartum time period, is just going to highlight it and bring it out even more. Yeah. It's, um, the, the human body is so amazing. And especially with that joint laxity that happens, um, you're absolutely right. As we get more range, we need to have that strength within the range of motion to, to control. And so I think people but we also like, need to yeah. take a step back and ask, are we, are we asking too much out of these muscles? Is it strength or is it just too much load? And then who else needs to do the job? Why is there being too much load being put? And then what can I do to change the movement pattern to change the load? And I love the fact that as we're going through this, we're putting some really big questions out there. Um, I think a lot of times when people come to us, they're, they're kind of just like looking for answers, but, um, for us as scientists, as people who are working with patients and clients, 
in order for us to get even more information. We have to ask even more questions to try to figure out, okay, well, what is the angle that we are going to be addressing? Is it strength or is it too much load? Is it that load or pressure management? And the, so with that big question, how, how would, how would, uh, how would someone like figure out or try like, or yeah, how would someone figure out or determine that they are experiencing uh, a strength issue or a load issue? Is this something that they can determine themselves um, that they can like signs that they can identify internally, or is this something where they need to communicate with a professional like us, like you, like yourself? With, with yeah. enough education, you can determine anything on your own, yeah. I mean, short of needing imaging. But I, so I think that's a that's a tricky question because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, there's a lot. I think a lot of people can determine, but if you are not, if you don't find yourself with the education level then yeah, you got to work with somebody. And sometimes it's virtually, uh, sometimes it's an online program and sometimes it needs to be in person. Uh, so I think there's just a wide variety of outlets there based on what would work well for you. Yeah. Oh, this is great for sure. I mean, everyone can, uh, everyone's able to, everyone has the capability to ingest information and knowledge it's all very dependent on the medium, on how that is, whether it be a course, whether it be working with a professional. Um, let's talk about another scenario in regards to like what pressure management, like how its role can actually impact um, sciatica pain. Um, let's go with um, let's go with like the the very like typical like for us PTs um, the typical like okay we're looking at like a like a spinal stenosis intervertebral um, foramen where the the nerve root exiting the spine is actually getting pinched by the bones themselves so we're looking at more someone who has a little bit more of that arched spine a little bit more of that extension based what are some components of pressure management that people should be looking at or considering when they're dealing with something like that so my question there is I'm going to immediately look at that person and be like, are you hanging on your facets? Are you creating more extension moment in your back? And then what will end up happening is if they are hanging, then they'll grip their glutes, their piriformis to tuck under to try to relieve tension off their back, which is not the way to go. Because then we're taking, think about the different parts of the nerves and now we're putting tension in another part. And so we, we rob Peter to pay Paul, right? We might be able to get a, out of a little bit of excessive extension in the spine, but then we're creating excessive tension where all the nerves exit the pelvis. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't pay. So looking at how somebody breathes, how well they utilize like posterior diaphragm, how well their abs are helping to contain the pressure in the front and send some of the pressure to the back to help spread that pressure and create space in the spine can be really beneficial. Again, it's that concept of being able to see where is that pressure being held. And I love the fact that you brought up the, the Rob Peter to pay Paul. I love that saying. Um, <laughs> Getting out of pain by doing, I find that sometimes if we, if somebody, they figure out how to get out of their pain, they often cause another problem. And yeah. I found that through the fitness and rehab professionals that I've worked with, we're the worst because we know sometimes just enough to like layer it on. We're like, oh, I fixed this problem with this. And then I fix that problem with that. And then, and you just have to, sometimes working with people, I've got to peel back the layers. I'm like, and you did 
what? And why is this like this? And it just can get very fascinating where you're like, I have never seen that compensation before, which I generally don't see in a lay person, like someone just with back pain and suffering at their house by themselves without a lot of input. But it's sometimes very fascinating to me to see the layers of, of compensation that get, that get put on when all they needed was maybe to work on posterior diaphragm expansion. Um, it's so, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's, I like to think about it as, um, and I often tell this to the people I work with, um, like when it comes to, uh, like habits and behaviors and also like what you're doing throughout your day, like impacting how you feel. I like to think about like, for the most part, most of our listeners, uh, drive, drive. And so, uh, when you're driving, um, and this will be kind of like, um, we'll just say like on a highway with sidewalks or like you don't see that very often, but anyway, you're driving your car and, um, it's okay every now and then for your car to, to say, hit the curb, um, or your tires to hit the curb. Like that happens, especially if you have to swerve out of the way. Um, but if we end up hitting that, that tire enough, we're going to end up with a slow week. And if we keep hitting that tire and that rim up against the sidewalk, we're going to need to replace that rim. But the thing is like, once we replace that rim, okay, great. The tire, the car's running fine. But if we still have a habit of driving into the curb, it starts to become even more problematic. And I think we have to teach people to just not drive into the curb, but also make sure that they are not driving completely on the other end, on the other yes. side of the highway. Yes, and you make people afraid to move yes. and afraid to move. Like did they, they stop, they stop hinging. They stop deadlifting. They stop yeah. bending over and they squat for everything. And you're like, no, 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 you actually do need to hinge. Like that's, we make people so afraid of moving in certain ways. And that can be when the, what is the, the cure is worse than the, than the sickness. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the, the cure is worse than the illness. Like we, we need to make sure that we are not throwing fire, throwing fuel on the fire uh, with the advice that we give people. And I think uh, you bring up this really interesting concept of like this, this concept of fear, because the moment, and I don't know about you, but like when I get scared, I tense up, mm-hmm. I like, I, I grip, like I, I stop yes. breathing. I hold my breath. It's... I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very, I've gone down a deep rabbit hole of fear. I'm a rock climber and I do a lot of lead climbing. So I've spent a tremendous amount of time facing fear and controlling that autonomic response with fear. And it has been such a cool journey. And when you've also layer in ego and that's like a whole nother, not part of this podcast, but <laughs> I just find there's so much application to life, to being able to face life, accept fear, accept risk, uh, understand risk, like what's an actual perceived risk versus a real risk. And when it comes to treatment, helping people kind of settle in for the journey and be like, let's be curious. Let's not be afraid of this. Let's, let's try to take a step back and look at it from the third person. Pretend it's not you in your body. Let's look down on your body. Let's, let's, you know, let's look at this from not a, a catastrophizing worst case scenario, everything's falling apart point of view and see if we can't come to a place of curiosity. And then from there, I feel like we're going to make a lot of progress. That's so cool. Um, that curiosity, curiosity, um, bringing up that like really big magnifying glass to be able to see like what else we got going on. Um, I think, so is, is fear a sign that you're learning, you know, should fear be something that we're facing instead of gripping or responding to, should we be stepping into it more? And it's great because everything you're saying, it's like, it always, it's like, 
if there was a transcript um, of this, it would be like, as you're saying, it would be like a question mark after every one. Because what if? Yeah, we can what if. if all day long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so why don't we what if best case scenario instead oh, of what if yeah. worst case scenario, which is because, you know, I deal a lot with prolapse treatment and it's the what if goes, it's, it's heartbreaking and it's very hard. And so I, I feel like we should what if the best case scenario and and give it our best go and have some courage to believe in ourselves. Cause I, I feel like we're all so afraid of failing that we don't really give it the best try possible. You know, so I, I see people and they hold back and they're like, well, what if I, what if I really do go all in on this? And then, and then it still doesn't fix my problem. Like the, I don't know if I can handle the disappointment. That is not what they are verbalizing, but that is what I am seeing. And I think that if we hold back a little bit, it gives us that out where we don't have to be disappointed. And we're like, oh, well, it was because of blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really try. And so that I think when it comes to pain, especially is such a crucial mindset to be able to step into, to be able to trust the process and give it everything and have that faith and belief in the process. That it's just so hard to come by, but so critical for getting better. Yeah. And I think one of the, and you, you, it's, I, I love the fact that you talked about like, you know, what can we do? Like, what's, what, 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 what is the best case scenario? Like, let's, let's visualize that versus what is the worst. And an exercise that I've gone through that I find also be really beneficial is like, if I were to visualize the worst case scenario, um, I think about, uh, well, how can I recover? How can I, how can I overcome this? Like, what would that be a, a good sign that, um, you know, I got something positive out of it. And, um, you're absolutely right. Like if we're not giving things a shot, we already have, we already have an out saying that it didn't work. And so being able to see um, what can we do and that curiosity definitely is really crucial to, to recovery because it asks us questions and helps us give us even more information. And it seems to me, Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, but as you're going through the uh, evaluation of pressure management, it's not just like, okay, I look at you and I have like these, I have these five areas that I think that need to be addressed. Let's address all five and then I'll see you later. Um, it seems as if you have an idea of, of what's going on based on the information you're given. And uh, it seems as if, uh, let's see, how do I say it? Uh, you implement a, a technique or an exercise or a stretch or whatever you do, an intervention. And then uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you evaluate to see if it truly is effective. Does it actually help? Like, um, being able to and see then, what yeah. I usually tell people is we're going to, here's what I see. Here's what we're going to try first. That may or may not work. I'm hoping it will, but if it doesn't, we're going to try this and then we're going to try this and then we're going to try this because the body is complicated and multifaceted. And one thing, if it doesn't work, it is not the end of the world because there is always something else. Even if I have to seek advice from other professionals to help the patient in front of me, which I have done so many times because I have tried the things I know. And I'm like, you know what? I still think there's more out there. I'm going to go get help from somebody else. And so I think that, that not getting so invested and just, just knowing that we can keep going the, and especially even what one person knows is not what everybody knows. Our profession is very vast based on our experience. So saying I went to PT is just not an answer for me. I'm like, oh, that's that's great. Did your PT know everything in the world? Probably not. So saying I went to PT is just not, not an answer. <laughs> 
It's like saying I, I hired a contractor. You're like, well, I'm a contractor. Put your stairs together crooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much out there and there's so much knowledge. And uh, as much as I would love to know everything um, or as much as we would love to know everything, we truly can't. Um, and especially when it comes to dealing with pain because of the fact that there's so many factors out of play. <clears throat> and pain is, again, folks, is, a, is an experience. It's something that you are truly going through yourself. And I'm like, a test like for diabetes and blood sugar, where if we do just a blood test and we get a number, when it comes to your pain, it's something that you're going through. And that's why if you are going through this by yourself, you're doing the research, like you are listening on this episode, but then also you reach out and have conversations with professionals like Sarah to be able to see what other things am I missing? What is that? What, what other components should we be um, adding in? It's that curiosity, being able to say, what else is out there? What can I do? And that big question of what if? And so let's answer that big question of what if people are listening to this episode, Sarah, and they're like, you know what? I think I want to take a little bit more of a deeper dive into my pressure management a little bit deeper into my core, get a little bit of better understanding because this is the first time I've been hearing this. What is the best way for people to get in contact with you, work with you, uh, and, and, and just get in touch with you? Well, I mostly teach continuing education now. Um, I love spreading. I feel like I've spent a lot of time learning, and I would like to give back to the profession as a whole and to be able to have lots of people help lots of people. Um, so one thing I recommend if somebody's looking for help is I have a PCS grad map which you have taken the PCS course. And so I love directing people toward the professionals that have extensive knowledge. They put forth effort, learning more uh, ideas. Uh, so my website, coreexercisesolutions.com has a lot of free resources on it. Uh, we'd love to check that out. And if you shoot us an email, we can try to help you find somebody in your area to go see, to get additional help. Very cool. Yeah, I'm so thankful for the resources you put out and the course, the PCES course was awesome. It really challenged a lot of my thought processes, but also, and I also learned a lot. And then as I was going through this course, I was thinking, what, how can I start implementing this immediately? How can I use this to help my clients? And so Sarah, I can't thank you enough for sharing that information. It's made me a better practitioner and I'm so glad and so thankful that you took the time out of your day to be on this episode and share your expertise with this world. So um, yeah, thank you so much. And I, and I really look forward to us staying in touch. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies, count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.